Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 114. Mm. I've lost Mm. interest in numbers now. I don't care. (laughs) We started doing it and we're going to continue doing it throughout. You can say the number, but I'm not going to get excited. You used to get excited. The you close we got, yeah, close we got to 100 is like, ooh, mm-hmm. now it's that many. You're probably going to have a resurgence, weirdly, somewhere through the, the, the 100s. You're suddenly going to go absolutely apeshit Maybe. for one number. Maybe. We'll wait and see, won't we? I mean, the numbers are not the highlight of this podcast. <laughs> Maybe there is one fan out there who is waiting for it. All they do is listen to the number and go, oh, that's yeah. it, done, done. Finish. Oh, I got my fix. <laughs> Listening weird. to all these podcasts and just letting them read numbers at them. Maybe there's an unknown kink that we should tap into. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Nick? I'm I'm thinking about an unnamed kink that you read numbers of people. <laughs> I mean, how would that work? That must I, be a I, I, thing. Uh, there's, 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 a, there's a thing for everything, isn't there? Someone's got a thing for everything. Is numbers um, a thing? Numbers. Just slowly re- like reading the shipping forecast. Someone gets very excited. <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> One. Oh, when they get to five. Oh, my God. But you're well. Other uh, apparently, than... yes, I believe so. I mean, I'm incredibly hot. Yes. It's it, it's unpleasantly so. It and is a heat wave over here I in mean, England. A heat wave is probably putting it slightly excessively. <laughs> it's um, 22 degrees. It's like 22 degrees. And that's Celsius, not Fahrenheit, because that would be like freezing. I think everyone gathered that. Yeah. Thank you for explaining temperatures to the people. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Try to be helpful. That I number shan't. person is sitting out there really excited by numbers but doesn't understand temperatures. Our brains are boiling. <laughs> I Sample. have listened back uh, over the years and uh, hot episodes mm. generally are quite fun because we are lose they? our minds. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> and we sweat out the alcohol quickly so we can just top up the system. <laughs> must have more. Uh, any poisonings this week? The sun. <laughs> <laughs> You have an air-conditioned office. Yes, but I'm not in there now. You were the one person in Canterbury who has air conditioning. Yes, but no, not now I don't. <laughs> and that's why I wasn't complaining two hours ago. <laughs> but now you've gotten home. But now I'm home. I am complaining, all right? Do you want me to fan you? Yes. Do you need a litter and me to fan you? <laughs> I think that's what we can put some Patreon money towards. <laughs> I think we absolutely should. Someone, someone to stand here and fan me. Do you think we should put it out as a really, really top-tier Patreon 
you can pay to come and fan Nick. Although that person, oh, no, that's a, that would be weird, I feel. <laughs> I mean, not that it wasn't weird before. As but, we uh, said, there's a king for everything. This is true, yeah. If you love fanning, then let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll negotiate the price. I fear that Nick is going to outdo himself. He's not going to price himself well, depending how hot he is during the day. Pretty much. Well, speaking of being insanely hot... And doing weird things for money. I think it is time for us to thank our delicious new Patreon subscribers. Weird things for money? They listen to us. Well, I mean, that's true. But that could be taken <laughs> multiple ways, I feel. I don't know. You tell us, Patreons. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you to Plum. Yeah, joining our Patreon is generally considered weird. But who knows what else? We shan't judge. Thank you, Plum. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful journey. One of our annual subscribers. New lovely things coming to Patreon very, very soon. It's very exciting. Yes, we had Deadly Doctors mm, on this week's Patreon. A very famous one as well. Ooh, chilling, chilling, diving into those super modern cases. That's what you get over on Patreon. People had thoughts. People as they, well, they should. They had thoughts about the Discovery Channel. Mm. <laughs> well, Nick, are you ready? Uh, yes. Do you want to get a fan out? Yes, do I do. Where's my fan? Should we, should we talk in a southern accent as if we're on a veranda? <laughs> See, the veranda's back. The veranda's back. <laughs> to drink poison and talk about cocktails. Uh, no, I can't do the accents. You can try. No, 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 no. <laughs> or... We could drink poison and talk about cocktails. Dr. Lecter. <laughs> <laughs> really thought you were going to a Clary Starling thing there. I love the fact that's the only thing you can say in a southern accent. <laughs> Should we go with the first one? Oh, go on. I have no idea. Why not? We're going to go with the first one. It's hot. We need some lovely, delicious cocktails to soothe us in the... Mm horrible heat wave that England has never experienced before. It's my story this week and we can't, we can't, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand. As you know dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell and it will flavour our cocktail of the week. Mm. And this week's secret ingredient, Nick mm. is an actual real ingredient. Yes. It is a lovely cognac that classic summery beverage. <laughs> I have picked the hottest day of that the is, year. That is ideal <laughs> for a drink on the hottest day of the year so far. A nice, cooling, refreshing cognac. Should we light the fire just to really add <laughs> to it? We should. Put I think the we heating to, on. We need to get the heating on. I think we need some blankets and big jumpers. <laughs> light uh, cigars and put them close to our face. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, a lovely, refreshing cognac. Well, it's sort of beggar's belief that we've not done cognac yet. When when I sent this over to you, we, we spent a good 20 yeah. minutes going... What? And looking through all this? the episodes and going, no, 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 have we not done, no, we've never done cognac. We've done brandy. We've had I mean, that cocktails. is slightly cheating though, isn't it really? Because cognac is just brandy. It's a different kind well, of brandy. It's a brand name. Cognac is made in the cognac region. Exactly. Made in the cognac region. Yes. Like champagne. It's made in the champagne region. It's still sparkling wine. That means we can have sparkling wine at another point as a secret <laughs> ingredient if we wanted to. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm not disputing that. There we go. We're going to stretch this shit out, Nick. <laughs> We're going to have to. We've been doing it for two and a half years. We're running out of ingredients. <laughs> we'll never run out of ingredients, Nick. But cognac, hooray! Anyway. We have cognac as our secret ingredient. So, mm. with the multitude of beverages that must be on offer with cognac at its heart, what have you come up with? I mean, there are a multitude of beverages with cognac at its heart. Mm. It has to be said, there are, there's a lot of cognac-y cocktails. I mean, considering it was back in, back in the day... Back in the back day. Back in the day, it was considered... Like the king of spirits, really. Yes. And so it was hugely used in cocktails. That it has obviously lost 
sort of favour now towards the gins and rums and vodkas and all those bourbons and that sort of thing. Mm. But yeah, back in the day, cognac was was king for cocktails. Is that because cognac is it just a more of a refined spirit compared to back in the day where gin and rum were a little bit cheaper to produce? So no, really, especially as sort of cocktails came primi- primarily around for sort of like prohibition in the states and things. Mm. So whether the sort of imported cognac was a very sort of exclusive thing and it has obviously it has a long history of being very exclusive and Mm. very fancy and for the sort of nobility and the upper classes Mm. so using cognac in your drinks was decidedly fancy whereas your sort of gin that you made in the barrel at the bottom of your garden um, (laughs) was was perhaps less refined and that's maybe where it's why it was so readily used in cocktails yeah. to give us a, a level of sort of exclusivity and things and it does have a, a very distinct flavor that which works well in many cocktails mm. Mm. what did you come up with today so today we're gonna have one that sounds interesting and okay. we're going if we're going down the cognac route we're going full-on cognac so we are having a marinier a marinier, marinier. like a moule marinier I, and my pronunciation is gonna be dreadful um <laughs> it's it's named after a particular f- french region in paris um, oh right so i could have pronounced it horribly but i'm going to go with marinier marinier yeah so we'll, we'll have some happens. muscles on the side it's exactly nice we'll put the spelling in the on the post and then people will go it's anything like that. <laughs> it's going to be something like, this is my march crew. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not that one. Okay. I would have recognised that one. Ooh, a um, marinier. This yeah. sounds exciting. I am ready for a classy, classy, old-timey well, drink. we shall see. And we'll probably get a sip it and go, we're not classy enough. For yeah, this. essentially there is that. But we have backup margaritas if we need them. Exactly. I am excited. I think it is high time for us to sashay into the poisonous cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. So, Nick, the marinier. Marinier. It looks very pretty. It is. It is very sophisticated. Yes. Uh, peachy? Well, thing? it's a little lighter than it is in the pictures. So, oh, what have you potentially done? Potentially, I've broken it, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. It's got a kind of a peach hue and yeah. a lovely wedge of lemon. You've garnished lovely, a it. A lovely lemon wheel. A lemon wheel, lemon or not wheel a wedge. On the side. Get to know between your wedges and your wheels, dear. Yeah, clearly, I, I'm not good at <laughs> well, so garnishing anything. That's another Patreon video to come. The difference between a wedge and a wheel. It's six hours it's long. six hours long. The history of the lemon wheel. <laughs> it looks exciting. So I was thinking cognac. You immediately go to, ah, swilling brandy style glass. Well, yeah. Dark, smoky room. Yeah, this they're, looks refreshing. They're all, uh, there are, and there are absolutely those ones. Very nearly had a Sazerac. Now, Sazerac is? Sazerac is cognac, rye, and sugar, and bitters. Mm, which is very and it's yeah, punchy. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's Creole bitters, so it's sort of New Orleans, very sort of... Spirit-forward? Very, very, very spirit-forward. <laughs> As in it's all spirits. It's, it's all spirits, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, I didn't have any rye whiskey, because I do like a Sazerac. Yes. But, but we haven't got all of this. We have a Marignier. Yeah, so, indeed. intriguing look, intriguing... Mm. Mm. So let us dive in. Yeah. I'm going to speak in a French accent. With my lovely new glasses. Lovely, lovely new glasses. They're very pretty. So, mm-hmm. ah. Merry Christmas. Et votre santé. Ooh. Mmm. Not what I was expecting. That, that's nice. Is it? I like that. Do you not like that? Um. <laughs> Sometimes when I go, I like it, and you go, is it? And I go, no. <laughs> I'm easily swayed. I don't mind that. It's lemony. It's got. It's a... very, very lemony. It's so hot. I'm kind of happy with well, that. Well, that, that, yeah, very fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Maybe it's just the heat that's doing it. I don't know. It's lemony. It had. I mean, it's yeah. No, it's it not. It had a fruity quality it to does it have a as bit well, of a fruity twang. which I quite like. Hang on a minute. 
I like that a oh, lot. Oh, good. Good, I'm glad. Wasn't expecting it in a cognac-based drink. No, I thought it was going to be a lot heavier than it is. It's mm. a lot cleaner and a lot more refreshing. But no, I said, yeah, actually, it's growing on me. No, that's got plenty of oomph for me. I mean, it's strong. I can taste the yep. alcohol in it. But the lemon and there's got... Has it got maraschino in it? It hasn't got maraschino in it, What no. the hell am I tasting then? What's what? wrong with me? <laughs> I don't know. I, whatever you've done, I'm getting some sort of hint of maraschino. So uh, obviously my, my, my radar is way off. <laughs> there, there, is, there is no cherry. There is no Cointreau or anything like that. Weird. So the only sort of fruity thing it's got in is, is the lemon juice. Okay. Um, what else is in that? I don't know. Some, some so, sort of sh- a sugar syrup? There is a, there's a, bit of, a bit of syrup in there, absolutely. Okay, yep. for sweetness. And the cognac. Mm-hmm. But there's something else in there. There are two other things that you're missing. Two other things. And there's two other things in if there. one of them is chartreuse, I'm going to stab you in the eye. <laughs> the walls aren't bleeding, so I feel like maybe it's not, unless you've slipped it in there. <laughs> <laughs> what else is in there? It, I, I'm sorry, I don't normally spend this long no, trying to no, guess you, what's in you, a drink. You, you ponder away. I'm, oh, I'm glad you like it. Hmm. I'm confused. <laughs> it doesn't have... Okay, so it's got no, no fruitiness in it, Not so yet. it's got to have another spirit in it. So maybe it's got a gin in it? Nope. I, I was really guessing there. I didn't think <laughs> a gin. Oh, it's got a vermouth in it? Nope. Fuck. It's got that banana liqueur <laughs> stuff. Apparently, it hasn't, but I was reading, there are a number of cognac and banana cocktails what? that are very well rated. We have to make Apparently, those. it is actually... Unfortunately, I've used all the cognac in making these drinks, so... <laughs> Yeah, there's a few people, quite a few people go, yeah, it actually pairs really well, which really surprised me. Oh my God, okay. Before we carry on with this, yeah. the Calvados and the banana. So apples and banana, that is a dessert. You flambe that. that that's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a it's thing. A, it's a, it, it, I've, a thing I may have made up on the spot yeah, right now. Absolutely. Calvados and bananas, a marriage made in heaven. Okay. <laughs> or hell, depending. I may have used all the Calvados in this. Don't say it's Calvados. That's completely different. No, but it's in there. Oh, is that what's yes, in it? Yes, that's what's in there. Oh! Cognac and Calvados. Oh, oh, right. oh, I was like, I thought you were having a breakdown. And I was like, no, 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 no I was just watching you have Calvados one. Isn't Cal- <laughs> oh, Calvados is in this. Oh, yes. That's why I like it. Calvados. Oh, and, and there's another. And there's, there's one another. more thing. There's okay. one more thing. Um, I don't think I'm going to guess it. So put me out of my misery. Green chartreuse! Green chartreuse! Green chartreuse! No! No! I win. No. No, lies. Nope. Lies, you liar. Green chartreuse. What the, what the what? Hang on, wait a minute. So now you're going to be able to taste it and you're going to say you hate it. No, I can't taste it. I'm not even kidding. I'm not just saying it. If I was being a dick, I would go, oh, yeah, no, I taste it, I don't like it. I cannot tell it's in there from the taste. Okay. I haven't actually smelt it, so. You can smell it. It's in there. But it's very, very subtle. Oh, my God, Nick. <laughs> I really like good, that. Good. What have you done? How much show trees in it? It's probably a bucketful, isn't it? It is. You've got three quarters of an ounce of the uh, cognac, three quarters of Calvados, half of the chartreuse. Yeah, damn straight. <laughs> so, <laughs> so not as not as little as you would like. How much lemon? Uh, three quarters again. Oh, okay. Good, 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 so good. Okay, it's quite it's quite heavy on the lemon. See, there you go. There is. I will concede. There are. Really occasions maybe twice it's happened I've on this show knock another one through i'm talking In- that I'm, I'm i'm this is a win no i will give you that that is a very good combination oh, with good the line. chartreuse oh, I'm pleased. the calvados and the cognac because they're superior in all ways <laughs> work with it the french know what they're doing with those drinks that they do i was concerned i'm now relieved Nope, I will happily drink that and you Excellent. will be smug for the rest of my life, I think. Pretty much, pretty much. I'm going to remember this moment. Marvellous. Well, with our mariniers. Marinier. 
firmly in hand. I am shocked <laughs> and confused. Would you like a story? Yes, I would. So, Nick, I'm going to tell you the tale of a murder that shook high society to wow. its core. How very fancy. Mm. We're going to London. Quite high society. We're going to find out what happened to Lord William Russell. Ooh. But first, okay, I must tell you of another scandal that's happening. Okay. On the bookshelves. Uh, my bookshelves? Maybe on your bookshelves. Anyone else's bookshelves? Uh, many people's bookshelves in the 19th century. Okay, right. Yes, in the 1800s. I'm going to start this with a little literary aside. You're going to enjoy it. Don't worry. Come with me. Come with me. Come with me now. Now, it may shock you when I say this, Nick, that Probably. back in the 19th century, in the 1800s, there were very, very, very few true crime podcasts. <laughs> you don't say. They tried. Damn it, they tried. There was one man with a phonograph wired to a light bulb, wired to a potato. But he didn't get the audience that he wanted. No, no. Photograph was much later in the century as well. Also, he was he was a genius just in the wrong direction. But mostly you were hard up if you wanted an oral fix of true crime. What the century lacked in audio drama, it made up for in scandalous, gory detail in books, newspapers and on the stage. Now, certainly the Victorians, as we know, were obsessed with death and they loved a good true crime drama Absolutely. as much as modern audiences do now i think it's fair to say the victorians are probably the first true crime enthusiasts uh, yes i mean most certainly certainly enthusiastic they did enjoy their pamphlets and their newspapers and their mm. penny dreadfuls and while the victorians obviously in the victorian era if we're going to be strict about the era were blessed with stacks of penny dreadful magazines to thumb through and they could gorge on the early detective novels which was a new craze that was sweeping the nation plenty of salacious material for their gruesome pleasure was available but in the first half of the century anyone who wanted a true crime fix had to resort to another short-lived but highly controversial medium the Newgate novels mm. now do you know of the Newgate novels are these the ones about all the people who've been executed criminals yes criminals now we have mentioned them in passing way way way, way back in season one these are a series of novels that appeared between 1820 and 1840s inspired by the famous Newgate calendar Newgate calendar that's what I was thinking of yeah that was a monthly bulletin. It started off as, and then it became a series of biographies of notorious criminals mm -hmm. in Britain. Some of them were folklore heroes who were like, Sawney Bean was in there, and you're like, mm -hmm. but they also covered notorious criminals, and these are real, like, true crime drama played out in full luscious detail full of artistic license some of the biggest authors of the time took their inspiration from this material and wrote what would now known as a series of newgate novels glamorizing the central criminals and pouring over in great detail their crimes their methods the melodrama <laughs> of their excursions so you have the likes of paul clifford which is a book by edward bulwer lytton who we've covered before mm -hmm. uh, thomas gatesby's richmond and even Oliver Twist is considered a Newgate novel. Yeah. That's a controversial one because uh, Charles Dickens loved covering criminals. <laughs> he we did, know. indeed. He wasn't very sympathetic with them or didn't make no. them sympathetic characters. This is true. He was making commentary, but in his very sort of entertainy, melodramary, ooh, let's serialize this kind of way. Whereas <laughs> other authors were like, no, he won't tell it seriously. 
Now, the books drew massive criticism from the press, from high society and from other authors, such as William Makepeace Thackeray, the author of Vanity Fair, who will come back to... Er. Don't you worry. Uh, the feeling was they were not high art, these Newgate novels. Very good piece in Punch magazine. Talked about this model of book and they wrote a piece that was called The Literary Recipe for a uh, Startling Romance. <laughs> Take a small boy, charity, factory, carpenter's apprentice or otherwise... As occasion may serve, stew him down in vice, <laughs> garnish largely with oaths and flash songs, boil him in a cauldron of crime and improbabilities, Nice. season equally with good and bad qualities. <laughs> okay. I think everyone, liked, everyone today bitching about like Dan Brown novels and stuff like that. Mm. And the, exactly it's, it's that. popular trash that everyone, no one admits to loving, but I've read all of them. <laughs> I've read everything he's written, and it's, and you sit there and you read it and go, oh, it's so good, it's so good. <laughs> is it is it classic literature? No. No. Is it going to win the win the Pulitzer? No. But it's damn good fun. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so... This all the Newgate novels did was pave the way for the Penny Dreadfuls, for the early detective novels, and for the sensation novels. Yeah. It's all melodrama. It's all over the top. This particular era of literature was all about putting the criminals in the forefront and people took issue with that saying no you can't glamorize criminals this is wrong and this is immoral and they were like you're glamorizing all of this stuff and you're just doing it to sell books yes obviously yeah. and they've been doing it since people started writing stuff down mm-hmm. <laughs> they've been doing the same thing it's not a new invention but the criticism for these books reached a peak in 1840 but it transpired one of the novels jack shepherd by william harrison ainsworth a tale of theft and prison breaks, may have inspired a murder within high society. Ooh. And it would lead to the book's ultimate demise. Da, da, da. Did someone murder the book? Are we going for book murders now? <laughs> they just came over to cover of darkness and stabbed it. Stabbed the book. Your plot is inconsistent. <laughs> no, they didn't stab a book okay, as far right. as I know. Okay. But let's cover that in future episodes. I was going to say, we run out of murders. We're going in now into the stabbing of books as, a, <laughs> as, as season three. We get desperate. <laughs> we said we wanted to cover weird stuff. Yeah, I mean, that, that's covering it. <laughs> no, yeah, they murdered the books. Come back to that thought. We'll talk about how okay. they demise later. But, but, but let's go to the actual murder, the actual, shall we? Oh, there's an actual murder. There's good, an actual good, murder, good, trust good. me. No, I haven't one. lost my mind. <laughs> I'm not going to have a whole episode going, the death of a certain era of literature was the murder. Murder. Da, da, da. And then everyone goes, okay, no more shots. <laughs> so we are going to go to the home, Nick, of Lord William Russell, who I've referred to at the beginning, a former member of Parliament mm. who is now aged 73. Mm. Now, Lord Russell had a decent, if unexciting, career in politics. Mm. I mean, he didn't really make a massive impression. He came from a very good family, very good... Uh, well, one would if one wants a lord. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he's a lord. He's some Marquis's Earl's Duke's son. Not a Duke's son. No, he's not a Duke's son. But he had a good career in politics. He was married. He had seven children. His wife all died quite young. And he, he mourned her forever. He had a little locket round his neck with oh. a lock of her hair in it that he cherished and he never remarried. He had a fine home in London. He represented various constituencies for the weeks until his retirement in 1831. He also travelled through Europe. He travelled to Italy. He ended up in you know, relative comfort in his home in London with a small staff. He lived in Norfolk Street, which is an area now in Mayfair. Fancy. It's fancy. The house is 
very fancy by today's yeah. standards. Slightly more modest by aristocratic standards. Definitely. Modest, sort of like two rooms to a floor, mm. but it had like nine million floors. No, it didn't. <laughs> uh, he lived there alone and he had a skeleton staff. He had a maid, a cook and a valet. He also had a coachman and he had a couple of other occasional staff. But this skeleton staff of three for the time. Yeah, for a aristoc- aristocracy at the time, that would have mm. been pretty skimping, really. Yep. They lived in. It's around 6am on the 6th of May, 1840. The maid, Sarah Manser, was bustling around the house, cleaning, tidying. She's woken up at the crack of dawn, getting the house ready for the day, making the coffee, squeezing the oranges. Not actually oranges. Probably probably not, no. (laughs) Squeezing the potatoes for the fresh juice, (laughs) starting up the espresso machine, making the matcha. His lordship had been at his club the previous afternoon. He, as was his wont, he went to Brooks, the gentlemen's yep, clubs. Fancy. Uh, he would spend the day there. He'd come back in the evening. He'd have his supper. He would talk to his staff and then he'd go to bed. He was a little bit agitated the day before because his coach hadn't picked him up on time from the club. Dined alone, went You've to bed. You've got one job, mate. Pick me up <laughs> from the club at seven o'clock. It's all you got to do all day. And you get that wrong. Yeah, You're going to be a bit pissed off. He wasn't that happy. He ended up having to take a street cab home. I mean, that's, yeah rude he would still be asleep by now so sarah can get on with her duties sarah heads down to the lower floors in this house weirdly the servants quarters are at the top of the house yeah, often in the attics yeah. yeah yeah and she heads down to the lower floors and she finds the house is in disarray Ooh. the place has been ransacked things have been knocked over plates broken down into the kitchens things are all out of place she goes into his lordship's sitting room his papers from his desk are strewn all over the floor she goes into the dining room drawers have been pulled open silverware has been turned out and is missing and she finds bundles of it and stacked up near the doors as if someone has dropped it in a hurry someone has obviously attempted to steal this what is going on burglary burglary she thinks she runs and she wakes the cook mary hannell and also lord russell's valet francois and they see the mess and they come out and they agree, okay, the master must be informed. Someone has broken in. They hammer on the door and Francois enters first. He's the valet. He's yeah. allowed to. Lord Russell is still in bed. So Francois opens up the shutters, flooding the room with light, and they go to Lord Russell. But he's not sleeping. His throat has been very, very deeply cut. Ooh. The pillow is soaked in blood. A napkin has been draped across his face. He's dead. Yeah, got that. From the throat being slit. There's no other blood in the rest of the room, but just on the bed. But murder, they cry, murder. The alarm is raised and the police are summoned. They come into the house. They find the staff, you know, near hysterical, obviously. No. The, the the cook and the maid are, are, are distraught, not knowing what's going on. The valet is dumbstruck. He is can't mm. speak when he's going in. His master is lying there dead. They manage to sort of start questioning them and saying, look, you need to talk us through, you need to walk us through the house so we find out what's happened. They, they manage to get Francois, sort of shakes himself together mm-hmm. and says, okay, look, the house is completely ransacked. They find marks on the pantry door, marks of violence, they say. There's marks all over the place. Mm. Someone has broken in. Someone has come to steal from the house. The maid and the cook go through the motions of the night before. The the doors were locked. Any of us who went out, someone else saw the person go out and come back and lock the door when they went out and came back in. The doors weren't left open. There's no way someone could have gotten in. How could we not have heard any commotion during the night? How did this awful crime occur? 
So the police, during the questioning of the staff, and obviously the body is taken away at this point, and this is, goes over about two days while the police start searching through the property. But to them, things don't seem to be adding up. Yeah, okay. This doesn't look like a burglary. Well, if something dropped everywhere and nothing actually stolen, it's just scattered around the place. It very much looks like someone wanted people to think that yeah. been a burglary. A lot of oh, things scattered. An inside job. Well, why? Why would the that happen? The valuables are missing. There are some valuables missing for sure. Silverware, jewellery, £10 notes that they knew that his lordship kept in the house. He would have had chess. He would have had all these things. That they, they are missing. But there's other stuff that's just been dumped in the property. Even the locket that he wore and that he cherished, that's gone as well. But then things start turning up inside the house in little bundles, sort of hidden away in corners mm. and behind doors or cupboards or in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> the fridge that wasn't there. The fridge that wasn't there. That was the biggest mystery. <laughs> Why would a thief break in, murder the master of the house, and then leave all of their booty behind? That is unlikely. It is unlikely and it is yeah. weird. That's what they say. They go, yeah. it's weird. Weird is all really weird. The police are searching through. They're finding these bundles. And they go into the pantry. The pantry area that Francois is primarily in charge of. He's like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. I've been in there, I've checked. There's nothing in there. Please look at this damaged door instead. Oh, Francois. (gasps) Francois. But as they pick through the room, they find a loose bit of wainscoting and several pieces of silverware and muddy stuffed behind the wainscoting, Mm. along with a screwdriver that Mm. seems to match the marks that were made on the drawers and the doors. Okay, I thought you were going to say it matches the marks on his throat. Well, it's difficult to, no. difficult to slit someone's throat with a screwdriver. No, 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 no. They don't put that down as the murder <laughs> yeah, weapon. Yeah, that's but okay. No, it's the tool that has been <laughs> has made. Been used to wedge things open. Now, used to make the marks. All of this evidence is found in this area that Francois has been protecting. Perhaps now I should mention that Francois, who is Swiss, his full name is Francois Benjamin Corvoisier. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes. Is that it? Courvoisier. Yes, that's it. That's that's your link. That's my link. Come on, if his name is Cognac. To a type of Cognac. Yes. (laughs) Oh, the withering look on your face. That's that's stretching credulity. How, what, what do you want me to do when the person who is now the prime suspect is named a type of Cognac? (laughs) I'm not angry. Well, I am disappointed. <laughs> and I will live with that and not be bothered at all. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine so. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> so, Francois Croivassier. Croivassier. He is arrested. Heir to a cognac fortune. He was. <laughs> I couldn't find any links slumming whether he was. A, slumming as a valet in London. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's Swiss. He's Swiss. He's not even French. He's just like, one day this will all be mine. <laughs> now, Francois has always had a respectable career in service since moving to England four years earlier. He had been a silver service waiter for a time in a very respectable hotel. Mm-hmm. Then he'd worked as a butler for a baronet. He had been a footman for another MP for a lady. He as in for, a, for a lady. No, <laughs> no, as in a lady, like a lord, a lady, ladies of peerage, not just a woman. Okay. <laughs> he put that on his CV. An actual woman hired me. She has notions. <laughs> he was recommended to Lord Russell by his previous employer, the lady who said he was of the highest character, conduct and competency to fill a situation. Well, obviously, what does she know if he's going around murdering people? (laughs) Well, she didn't murder anyone when he was employed there. Well. He did a very good job. Mm, Of not murdering people. Of not murdering her. But again, didn't appear to be stealing, didn't appear to be doing anything. Well, he didn't murder me, so so therefore I heartily (laughs) recommend him. (laughs) So you think there was a a little sub-clause after that, (laughs) that he is the highest character, conduct and competency when not murdering people. When not murdering people. But otherwise, he's an absolute delight. Yes, absolutely. He's a riot. Paid £45 a year, Nick. Ooh. That's a hefty salary for yeah. a servant. I get more than that. <laughs> I'm much, but I get more And you that. haven't murdered anyone, <laughs> uh, allegedly. Since I started that job. <laughs> You're going off on a very weird tangent with this man, aren't you? You're like, you've got some sort of competition going yeah. with him. Yeah, me like, and Francois. <laughs> He's the heir to a fortune that you can't access. Yeah, absolutely. Bastard. You've gone very, like, seething with anger for him. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) But now Francois is in custody and he is awaiting trial at the Old Bailey. I love saying it like that. The Old (laughs) Bailey. Bailey. (laughs) This is... Do you think it was ever called the New Bailey? I don't know. I was typing this and when I must Google what is the origin of the name of the Old Bailey and I didn't. And I've never looked it up and I don't know. You must think, well, is there is there a current Bailey? <laughs> is it meant to be like modern Bailey? Well, no, I don't think so. But why is it always old? The old Bailey. Why is it, That's why. why. It always... Someone just went the old Bailey. It must Bailey. be new at some point. It must have been new at some point. They both built it and went, ooh, the old Bailey. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's old news now. It's one for Tim. We need to get Tim on that. It, he'll, he'll know. Or we could just Google it. We well, could Google it for six seconds. No, I much 
refer someone else to write a podcast episode on it and then tell me about it. The history of the Old Bailey. Coming soon, people. But in the Old Bailey, this trial is, as you can imagine, a media sensation. Well, with a, with a, with a lord, no less. A lord? Oh, absolutely. Ooh, yes. Among the spectators were the Duke of Sussex, various countesses and ladies, many, many, many earls turned up. Literally, there were so many earls I couldn't list them. <laughs> too many earls. There were too many earls, it just went off the page. Absolutely packed with the top class of society who want to see this trial. Mm. You know, the, the the seats that are usually reserved for the Lord Mayor have to be given out to the Duke. Well, the Duke's quite fancy. The Duke is pretty fancy. The Duke's very fancy. That Earl's is... not that fancy. Well, well, they're two a penny. Yeah. And they all turned up. Earl. There's a lot of Earls around, I think. A friend of Francois's family paid for his counsel so he actually gets quite a good defence mm. lawyer together and he pleads not guilty okay mm-hmm. now it's not as cut and dried as you think to start with you think okay fine they found stuff in Francois's room <sighs> yeah he must be guilty no 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 no. his counsel do a very good job of pointing out that Francois has no motive well this is true for killing Lord Russell the thefts yes appear to be staged rather than a genuine attempt at concealing items so maybe he's not trying to steal things what what is this person trying to do who has killed the victim is he trying to set up a burglary and pass blame onto the servants why would francois kill his employer and why hasn't any blood been found on him that's very true we cut someone's throat a lot of blood no blood on his clothes no blood on any clothes in his rooms, there's no evidence of fire or burning or disposing of any of these things. They do a thorough search. They cannot find blood on any of his clothes. So, how could it be Francois? Isn't this all just circumstantial? The prosecution admits that, yes, okay, there's no real motive. Yes, the evidence is circumstantial. But the accused, as a foreigner, may have behaved differently to an Englishman. Well, this is true. He is foreign. He's a foreigner. He is foreign. Therefore, Swiss. instantly guilty of mm. all things. <laughs> they have terrible, yes. terrible dark ways in Switzerland. They do, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's kind of where they hang their... Yeah. He's not an Englishman, therefore can't be trusted. <laughs> People are sort of nodding along going, oh, well, he I has a point. Agree. He has a point, absolutely. Now, I'm, I, I paint this out as if this is going over weeks and weeks and weeks. This is day one. By the way. <laughs> day two. Day two. <laughs> the defence point out that items from the house were found in a hotel nearby. Ooh whereas Francois has been in the house the whole time and the witnesses, the maid and the cook corroborate this. So how did these items get there? Who has gotten into the house and taken them to this hotel? But then a witness is called, Madame Charlotte Poilier. Do you want to go that again? Yeah, I really do because I did not say that right. No. Poilier. Poilier. Charlotte, Charlotte. Let's just go with that. Another foreigner. Another foreigner, Another can't, foreigner. Be trusted, can't be trusted, who says that Francois had given her a parcel mm. before the murder took place and in it had been items belonging to Lord Russell. And she is cross-examined and she sticks to this and she swears she had been given this parcel by Francois. It contained items belonging to Russell, which points to him either staging the crime mm. scene or stealing. Or taking advantage of a crime scene and nicking stuff. Mm. After this evidence is read out in court, Francois calls his counsel to his cell and he admits that he killed Lord Russell <gasps> Ooh, and Francois. stole from him. Francois. What's going on there? Wouldn't expect that of you. While swilling a cognac. His counsel, Charles Phillips, says to the effect, very well, so we now need to change your plea to guilty. And Francois says, no. No, I'm still, still going for it. Oh, no, no, no. You go out there and defend me. I did it, but I don't want to change my plea. So it's still not guilty. Uh, Nice. There's what? 
what? I have to go out there and defend you and you've just admitted to me that you killed someone. You are obliged by law. You are indeed, yeah. To defend your client. Absolutely. Can't get out of that one, Mr. Lawyer. <laughs> he tries. The, the saddest thing is Phillips goes back to court and he says, and he puts this massive plea and going, I need to approach the bench and ask for advice i need advice for the judge and the judge they don't know what's going on and the yeah. judge goes no you're in the middle of a trial carry on do your job he's like seriously <laughs> i really need to talk to you about something i don't know what to do no don't be so silly you're a lawyer you know what to do Get on <laughs> with it. so phillips has to continue his course yeah. of action he has to keep defending francois saying the evidence is circumstantial, pointing the finger elsewhere. After the trial, people remarked that his line of defense even cast suspicion on the maid. Oh. This is the thing. Even though he knew what was happening, oh, he was harsh. having to... Well, he was having to surmise... Well, you have to give someone another possibility, don't you? You have to give shadow of a doubt, and then it could have been someone else. It could have yeah. been this person here. That whole shadow of a doubt, it could have been anyone in the house. While he wasn't directly saying it was the maid, which would be reprehensible. And he defended himself afterwards saying, look, I never directly said anything like that. It's going, yeah, but you still went out there and said anyone in the house could have done it, which could have led to suspicion falling on them. Luckily, the maid was was fine. No, no one ever came after her going, Ugh. <laughs> Phillips only has to do this for one more day. <laughs> no, it's day three of the trial. I'm guessing he wrapped up very, very quickly. Yeah was just throwing reams of notes over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. They're going, any ever there it is? Nope, nope, nope. absolutely not. No, nope. scratch that, scratch that. It's, yeah, no, 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 we're fine, we're done. And the defence <laughs> rests. Jazz hands. <laughs> On that basis, the jury takes little time in returning a guilty verdict. Uh, and he is sentenced to death. Oh. On receiving his sentence, Francois gives his full confession. Now he gives it. Yeah, Philip's having a nervous breakdown in the background. Yeah. Apparently, the row he had with his lordship is that Francois was supposed to have booked the cab <laughs> to pick him up from the club, to pick him up from Brooks. Right. His lordship had given him all manner of tasks and he got confused. He forgot to get the coachman to go to the club. Lordship came back, wasn't screaming and wasn't yelling, but apparently was very annoyed at him and was just frustrated. But allegedly, Francois just didn't get on with him that well. So as he says, his lordship was very cross with me and told me I must quit his service. As I was coming up the stairs from the kitchen, I thought it was all up with me. My character was gone. And I thought the only way I could cover my faults was by murdering him. (laughs) This was the first moment of any idea of the sort entering my head. Right. I went into the dining room and took a knife from the sideboard. I do not remember whether it was a carving knife or not. I then went upstairs. I opened his bedroom door and heard him snoring in his sleep. There was a rushlight in his room burning at the time. I went near the bed by the side of the window and then I murdered him. He just moved his arm a little. He never spoke a word. I'm not surprised if your throat's cut. Yeah, straight in there. Why was there no blood on his clothes? I don't know. He was naked. Oh, that's disturbing. He admitted later that he was naked when he committed the crime. So all this kind of, I, I'm going to commit a crime in the heat of passion. I'll just take off all my clothes. Yeah, that's a bit of thought going into that. Stalking around. He may have made out that this was a heat of the moment argument, but there were now rumours circulating that he was a seasoned thief and responsible for more heinous crimes. But as a final bit of drama, 
reports flew from the prison that Francois Corvassier had been influenced to commit the crime after reading Jack Shepard. Oh. One of the Newgate novels. In the days preceding the crime and that this mucky novel had really perhaps been the cause of all of the trouble. Now, what happened to Francois? The legacy he left was that his hanging on the 6th of July was one of the most attended in history. 40,000 people. Wow, you kill a lord. Yes. It's going to bring the crowds out, isn't it? This is not some sort of slum-dwelling peasant that you've murdered. You've killed a fucking lord. Absolutely. Yeah. And the number of hangings had dropped off because there's been lots of calls for reformation and all of that. But also in the crowd was Charles Dickens. Yeah, I'm sure he was there. And William Makepeace Thackeray. (laughs) Dickens loving all of the hanging and the gory details and just recording this down going, I'm Charles Dickens, don't you know? Thackeray, completely anti-capital punishment, said, I came away that morning with a disgust for murder, Mm. but it was for the murder I saw done. I feel myself shamed and degraded at the brutal curiosity that took me to that spot. Yeah. And it it, it is that sort of, yeah, I mean, it's a really morbid curiosity that makes people go to those sorts of things or seek out videos on youtube that they really shouldn't watch and things like that is yeah it's a strange thing he would go on to write the piece on going to see a man hanged which you can find on the internet you can find online about the experience and there's some really powerful sentiments in there there's a lot of detail in the background but there's some some really good excerpts about why everyone was standing there and what it's like to see a man die and what was everyone doing that day back to the newgate novels bit Okay, back there. Back there. It was claimed that Francois later denied this allegation that he had been inspired by the novel Jack Shepard or that he'd seen a stage performance by it. No real confirmation either way whether this was true or not. But it's a convenient narrative for people who wanted to see the Newgate novel die. It helped them spin the story. Mm. And I'm not exaggerating by saying that this really sounded the death knell for those writers. Mm-hmm. William Thackeray reported that vendors sold Jack Shepherd bags, <laughs> swag bags, filled with burglary tools in the lobbies of theatres where the dramatisation of Ainsworth's story was being played and that one or two gentlemen have already confessed how much they were indebted to Jack Shepherd, who gave them ideas of pickpocketing and thieving which they never would have but for the play. Yeah, like bollocks, they wouldn't have. <laughs> So is this Thackeray kind of going, yes, yes, I've seen a man who said definitely he was influenced by it and he killed a bunch of people because he read a book once. As a direct result, though, of this case and all of the rumours, performances of Jack Shepard's adaptation would be banned by the Lord Chamberlain. The critics continued to make fun of the novels. This particular one was called One of a Class of Bad Books Got Up for a Bad Public. Ultimately, most writers would stop making criminals their protagonists but turned instead to a new era of sensation novels, mm. mystery and detective fiction. The plaster death mask of Francois Corvoisier was sold for £20,000 oh. in 2017 Ooh. at an auction to an unknown bidder. Oh yes, it's in some random chamber of horrors museum somewhere, isn't it? Mm. So yes, that is the story mm. of Francois Corvoisier, but even disturbing maybe than all of the literary influences here is that Francois claimed in prison to have been responsible for two maybe three other unsolved deaths a couple of years earlier oh intriguing but was apparently dissuaded from mentioning these in court (laughs) but these are mysteries 
for another episode. Was it Jack the Ripper? Was it? It wasn't Jack oh, the Ripper. Oh, I thought I'd solved it. <laughs> Though there have been comparisons I'm made. I have no doubt. But those <laughs> mysteries will be featured in our next Patreon episode. Oh, today's got a plan. I will tell you the stories of the mystery <laughs> murders that are connected to Francois Corvassier in the next Deadly Nightcats episode. And they are really interestingly gruesome mm. and, again, sensational murders I'm that intrigued. went unsolved, but people think that he was responsible. But there Ooh. we go. There is Monsieur Croivassier. Monsieur Croivassier. Monsieur Cognac. Monsieur Cognac. Rubbing <laughs> the streets. There we are. Yeah, still really. <laughs> what, so what's your skepticism there? No, I'm, I'm, I'm mainly annoyed about the ingredient. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I will I will list on my hand. Sicily, you set that up. You, you pinned your colours to the mask in the first ten episodes, Nick. There ain't no going back from there. Yeah, A mysterious uh, monk. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Fine. You frog. What do, you, what do you think of the story, Nick? Well, wow, that's a very good, very good story. I like the story. I've not heard that story. Because you were convinced we'd done that story. But yes, we haven't, we haven't done that story. It's one of those where you read it. <laughs> I, I will, I will fully disclose. The reason I found this story had a completely other story lined up this week at five in the morning this morning. Insomnia, scrolling through, and I, sw- I shit you not, was looking for funny Victorian memes, like pictures, funny Victorian pictures involving murder scenes. <laughs> I was like, oh, I must make some memes. I must make some jokes, and I found the picture that I believe I will use for this episode, <laughs> and if not, I will share it on social media, which is the most exaggerated Victorian depiction of Francois going into the room and looking at the dead body as if he's doing this huge kind of comedy sort of step into the room, like, <laughs> huh? what's going on here? And yeah. I thought it was so funny and clicked on it and found the story. Oh, really good. From all of my searches, <laughs> this has not come up. Yet you find a funny picture and there is a story behind there it. Is. And there are reams and reams of books and things <laughs> from it. So there you are. But then I was like, we must have done this. No, no, I don't believe we have. So Hopefully no. not. Hopefully not. No, I don't, it doesn't, doesn't ring out. But no, that's very good. I like that mystery. Oh, but did he do it? Well, he did it because he said he did it. <laughs> but what was it really the books? I, I'm not entirely convinced the books are responsible mm. for this, for, yes, for his murdering people because he wrote it in the book once. Yeah. Isn't it a little bit like censorship today? Well, exactly. It's like, oh, yes, Marilyn Manson is responsible for all school shootings in America or whatever. Yeah. Back in like the 90s with Columbine and things. Child's no. play is, res- is yeah, responsible absolutely. for all various child murders. nasty things in the 80s and stuff like that yeah. that you had. No, it's bollocks. None of those yeah. things are responsible people doing what they do. People doing them because they're bastards. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> <so, laughs> they are unwell, not because they have seen it on telly or a musician has told them to do it or they've read it in the book. I think it's a very convenient narrative. It's I... a good scapegoat. As Society it... is not the problem. Or, yeah, we haven't failed this person. We have. Mm. It's his fault. He read it in the book. If you're anti this kind of novel, which is glamorising apparently criminals mm. and, and, and Newgate and prisoners and kind of people buying it more than your fancy books... And then suddenly a criminal has gone, oh, I read that book. Then it's a perfect narrative, Absolutely. isn't it? Yeah. It fits in with, let's just censor everyone and let's put them in mm. a kind of a little box and go, oh, yes, depraved people read these kinds of materials. So, yeah. Yeah, nonsense. Francois Corvassier, he is a really interesting character mm. because you go down the rabbit hole and he is connected to these other cases, which, which as I said, I, I will cover. Yeah. 
and they are gruesome. Now, maybe it's a little bit of, you know, oh, he's Jack the Ripper. Like, there was one person going, maybe he was Jack the Ripper? What, like 50 years earlier? Yeah, 50 definitely. Years. Yeah. But, Jack yeah. the Ripper was geriatric <laughs> at that time. He was like, oh, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> but I love the, the story behind all the novels at the time. And Charles Dickens is turning up <laughs> to report on crimes. And Thackeray, I feel like Jack Thackeray hated Dickens. They were complete contemporaries. Yeah. <laughs> Thackeray is not remembered as much. He was remembered for, for Vanity Fair. That's about it though, really. But he it? was very um, stoic and he was very, <laughs> I'm going to report on the realities of, of the society and his other books are very serious and kind of, no, no, you know, maybe more socially responsible. Whereas Charles Dickens <laughs> is kind of, I am going to do kind of punch magazine stuff <laughs> and I am Charles Dickens. <laughs> I can imagine him flouncing around and Thackeray like, I'm a serious author. <laughs> It's not fair. <laughs> not fair on me. Well, what do you think, people? What do you think of the story of Lord William Russell's murder by Francois Coivetier? Do you know more of his stories, more of the crimes and the legends surrounding him? Do you think I got away with a secret ingredient this week uh... based on the name? Come on, it was on a platter. <laughs> Votes, people. Yes, no. Start a poll somewhere. I don't mind. Start a whole voting system. It's all right by me. Absolutely. Tell us what you think of the story. Jump on the comments of anywhere that you listen to this episode and send us dms if you want to about your theories and your thoughts but very importantly i mean i am blown away yeah. by the marinier no that worked very nicely indeed <laughs> yeah so yeah the recipe will be out on friday so do let us know what you think if you knock one up over the weekend let us know i would highly recommend it yeah i got chartreuse parchinade that's a big win for me in a way that i have never detected it yeah it's never been done before. <laughs> Essentials for your cabinet and a delicious cocktail. If you are making other cocktails, please tag us in your photos and send them to us. And do join us on Patreon if you haven't already. And just generally stay very, very sexy and lovely because we love you. Yes. Nick's drunk now. Yes. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,